All right. So we know it's an uncertain time out there in the world. Uh, it's tricky. It's rickety. It's weird. It's scary. It's dangerous. It's uh, it truly is uh, the great unknown. And the future uh, is a big question mark more than it's ever been. Humanity don't know where it's going. Coronavirus don't know where that's going. Uh, where will we be as a people in a year from now? I'm not sure. Nobody's sure. Now, I know that you know all that. That's not breaking news. I understand that. But I wanted to share something with you before we started the show. I wanted to get it off my chest, and I wanted you to know it, because I've made peace with something. I've been spending a long time ruminating and uh, tossing it around in my brain and getting used to the the eventuality that I was going to have to really finally accept that this is not going to happen. And uh, I feel good about it. I've made peace with this idea, and I wanted to share it with you because I feel good about it, and I want you to feel good about it too. All right, here we go. I have decided that it's time for me to admit that I'm never going to write a summer banger. It's never going to happen. I know that. I fought it for a long time. I fought it for just about as long as uh, when I finally realized that I wasn't going to be America's favorite teen. I was 41, and I said, you know, I think that ship has passed. I think other people will, will do the honors. <laughs> I am now officially too old. Uh, so, yeah, I feel good about that. That's my realization. Wanted to share it with you. And, uh, and I think you're sharing things with me, which I appreciate, and it's coming in the form of letters. And here's one right now. This letter comes from Brandy from St. Paul, Minnesota. Brandy writes, Dear Alex, in addition to listening to your podcast, of which I'm obsessed with, <laughs> thank you, Brandy, currently I'm in a bluegrass state of mind after listening to your Whiskey Sour Happy Hour interview with Amy Reitenauer. Thinking about our current shelter-in-place order and my newfound favorite musical artist, I had to ask you, if you were stuck on a deserted island and could only listen to one song for the remainder of your days, which song would it be? Oh, and if it were a desert-id island, would your song choice change? Best, Brandy. Well, Brandy, very good questions. Um, what would my song choice be if I could only listen to one and I'm on deserted island? Um, well, I don't know. My impulse is to say something like Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill or maybe Sam Cooke's Bring It On Home to Me. But if I pick those, then I kind of realize that they both have they're very heavily lyric-based songs, and they have lines in there about going home. So, I don't know, that might mess with me. Uh, I think the problem is that lyrics are so associative that they would just, no matter what you pick, they're always going to mess with you. Because they'll trigger a memory of some kind, which will then, you know, bring the desperation of my situation into full relief. So, that said, uh, I think I'd pick some kind of lyricless, ambient trance number that's like 20 minutes long and has no discernible beginning, middle, or end. It would be like an endless loop so I could sit back, enjoy the scenery, listen to the waves, and, uh, you know, die. Oh, Brandy, who am I kidding? Forget all that. I'd take Ariana Grande's Thank You Next. Uh, now, if it was a desert-id island, 
uh, it's two S's. Uh, I'm guessing what there's, uh, suites around everywhere. Uh, well, I'd take uh, crowded houses, chocolate cake, <laughs> low hanging fruit, low hanging cake. Uh, but I think that's the call. Great questions, Brandy. Thank you for writing. Listen, Brandy's not the only one who has the uh, email address. You can write to me too. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Let's start the show. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. We're not strangers Ticket to ride, going nowhere on a train past midnight. Bright city lights flickering by. Something bright inside your eyes I just might understand I don't know how What a strange and sudden sound But we're not strangers now Finally found Love in the underground That is the music of Bandits on the Run, who are my guests today on the program. Uh, guests with uh, an S. All three of them are here. Uh, let's let's meet them in a second. But before we do, let me tell you a little bit about Bandits on the Run. All right. So I grew up in the 80s. And because of the political climate of that time, there were a lot of end-of-the-world movies. In fact, there's too many to name. But to simplify, the end of the world for me... Well, it was either going to look like Road Warrior or Blade Runner. Either we were going to be wandering a burning wasteland looking for water and gas, or it was always going to be night and we were going to be eating noodles in the rain. Whatever the outcome was, when I thought about the apocalypse, one thing was consistent, whether it was the desert or the darkness, and that was that there weren't a lot of friendly faces around. It was every man for himself. And if you had something, you were going to have to be prepared to defend it. Why am I talking about this? Well, because it's been feeling a little bit end of the world out there lately, and after several months of sheltering in place, not only have I not seen any friendly faces, I forgot that they could even exist. Which brings me to Bandits on the Run. Now, when I sat down with the band, I was instantly aware that I was in the presence of good people. Good, friendly, sincere, and lovely people who are real artists and who live with generosity and grace. The band came together when cellist Sidney Torrin Shepard met guitarist Adrian Blake Ensco while doing an L-Train busking session. Inspired by the meeting, Shepard called up her friend Regina Strayhorn. Strayhorn moved to New York City, and Bandits on the Run were born. A soulful blast of rootsy bliss, the Bandits' music incorporates toy instruments, cello, a suitcase drum, and downright stunning harmonies. Falling somewhere between indie pop and wistful folk, not only is their music achingly beautiful, spiritually rousing, and altogether comforting, 
this is also one of the most refreshing bands I've heard in a long, long time. All three bandits are actors, so their live shows are improvisational and feature costumes, puppets, and witty banter. It's unpredictable and wild and tons of fun. The world is taking notice, too, with a Tiny Desk concert, a South by Southwest appearance, and shows from Rough Trade to City Winery to the Knitting Factory under their belts, Bandits on the Run are the band to watch in 2020. I love this band. They're sweet and sincere and filled with heart. And after talking to them, it made me feel like the world wasn't ending after all. I think you'll feel the same. Enjoy my conversation right here with Bandits on the Run on Stereo Embers the podcast. We quarantined together. We're stuck in North Carolina because um, we were on our way to South by Southwest when all of this went down. So we were like driving to Austin. Yeah. And uh, my family lives in North Carolina. So we decided to come here and you know, be together, be together. <laughs> be together. How have you gotten closer? How has it been testing the relationship? How are things? You, you guys look happy. Oh, the three of us have gone through We're fine. Yeah. We've, so many times. We've been a band <laughs> for like six years and we've been to Europe and back twice together. We've Backpacking. Been on the, yeah. We've been on the road together. Regina and I went to college together yeah. and Adrian and I have been a couple for six and a half years. So, okay. And we don't want to kill each other yet. So. Yeah, so it's safe to say we've gotten lost a lot <laughs> together and still, still, still going strong. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, fun. you guys seem fine. Um, so I think this is a real. Uh, this relationship is going to last forever. <laughs> Great, I That's love it. That's what we're hoping. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, how are you? It's kind of interesting. You know, musicians I've talked to who have been quarantining. Um, are, they're on their own, they're by themselves, and they have found that their their lives haven't changed much because the creative process is one that you do by yourself anyway. Um, how have you found, you guys being a quarantine, um, how have you found, how have you found this, this must be a great time to kind of woodshed and get some work done. Are you being productive? Yeah, yeah, it's been really amazing actually because the, you know, the past couple of years we've been focusing a lot on performing and we've been really um, uh, uh, doing live things a lot and we've had a lot of songs kind of on the back burner that we've been like meaning to finalize and get to and yada 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 and so this time has been really great to work on those and also we've been writing a bunch of new stuff um yeah we're so, yeah we're just really lucky that we happened to be together when everything was you know uh, uh, quickly sorry this play um when everything went to shit for lack of a better term yeah uh, uh but yeah but it's it, but we're we've uh, we've been getting a lot done like literally right before this we were like writing new stuff and sharing it with each other. So yeah. it's been a really creative time. Yeah, because we're generally a very performance-based band. Like, we love live performance. We thrive on live performance. We perform live every chance we get. We started out by busking in the subways. So we're very much, like, about immediate live interaction. So it's been a good challenge for us to be like, what can we get done without, you know, having that? We also are, are notorious for, for having our hands in, like, three or four different projects at once. Like, I think mm -hmm. in January... We had like four different thing, four different kinds of performances 
that we were doing on top of other like side right. projects. Right. So, so we're being forced to focus a little bit yeah. more on like just writing music or like just doing live streams or so it's it's been nice, honestly. Yeah, and and by the way, you guys seem incredibly relaxed. Is there any tension or anxiety about the the climate of the world right now or are you just sort of just trying to not to think about it like where are your heads oh there's always tension yeah in yeah i mean <laughs> it's there's a dull grind in the background yeah, yeah. It, of course like you know we're worried about the world at large and we're worried about people like you know uh, the the big macro worries about people's health and safety and mm -hmm. being able to take care of each other um uh that's really difficult and there's a lot of anxiety and that definitely seeps into our writing like we're writing a lot of songs that are uh, about not knowing and about worry and you know things like that um and and i think like on the smaller scale in terms of our like year our year and a half they're saying concerts won't really kind of be back to quote unquote normal until uh september 2021 so that's been setting us for uh not quite a tailspin but it's a it's a big time to reconsider and like uh pivot you know i think that's what that's what's been happening a lot it's been a lot of mental gymnastics you know how can we change what we're doing so that it works on this on, in this new world right how can we right adapt mm -hmm. yeah so you're having to figure out ways to innovate because you guys are such a charismatic and and um, vital live band, like you guys seem like you love to perform. Yeah, um, to have that that element, and also I, I've mentioned this in, in with other um, musicians that it's also a very essential revenue stream. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had planned our whole month of March was like set aside for touring and playing live shows. And we were supposed to return to New York with like a big opening slot at like a biggest, our biggest venue yet. And we had like all of these like shows lined up that are just like not happening now. Yeah. So that money is gone. Also and... like, it's very sad. It kind of breaks my heart. We started out as, as a band busking in the subways and uh, I don't see a way that we can do that responsibly for for, for a, a long a time. little while and yeah. that's like, that's something that we've continued to do throughout even even when we're playing bigger venues we've been as we've been traveling we will go to a street corner and kind of like, like perform on the street well, that's what for, makes a lot of traveling sustainable yeah. for us is like playing yeah. during the day so mm -hmm. we can yeah. like have food and <laughs> travel money but so. on the flip side of that i think we're finding ways to achieve a similar thing in the digital realm on, on the internet with mm -hmm. live streaming um, it, it feels a lot like busking because people kind of just come and go, come in and out, drop and a dollar in the yeah, hat. Yeah, there's no or, obligation to yeah. like, right. like buy a ticket or anything. It's very like if you feel like watching and listening, you can, and yeah. if you want me to leave, then you leave. So it's very. Right. But but the but the thing we're not getting is like any sort of um like audible interaction from people. It's still weird for us yeah. to like play a song and hear nothing at the end, and we're all just like. And we'll look at the comments Woo! and be like, oh, wow, like okay. people are like saying, yeah, but it's just so yeah. weird to be like, I have to read that, you know. It's like right. you get none of that like back and forth. Right, it, right. I was watching John Oliver the other night and I thought, he's just as funny, but without the applause in between, it's like there's no intensifying of the moment. He still yeah. has the beats built in in between yeah. though. Like it's so great. It's pretty he's, wild. He's so yeah, he's so you're right. The beats are, they're right there. And and you almost are, you can almost hear it from like a sense memory. Yeah, you yeah. can hear the laugh, you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah you yeah. totally can. Yeah, yeah, you can. And so it's interesting how that's changed. But yeah, you're right. Like people typing in, that was awesome, you guys. It's not the same as 
right? But in some ways, actually, it's it's a little, it's kind of, it's different in a cool way because you can you can hear, you can interact with people more directly than you would at a concert. At a concert, you'd, you you kind true. of are aware of of uh, of the audience in general, and then occasionally people will shout something at you, but you're you're not getting like to see every single thing that someone says or yeah so clearly and it's cool with testing out new songs too because then like yeah. after the live stream we we can go back and like kind of like read what people were saying and people are like oh i really like this one you know what i mean mm. like it's kind of nice to like, to remember that feedback and like see it yeah people being like hey dave hi how's it going right yeah it's great when like yeah. people's friends are also tuning in and they're like talking to each other like i love, I love yeah it. it's really cute yeah, yeah. it's funny because it's like during a live show that might be annoying but during a, a live stream it's like talk to each other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ever. yeah. We're just creating a big room yeah to- yeah which is really kind of cool and also you can bring in people from all over the world at once which is really yeah. nice right yeah and and that's something that was kind of surprising to us when we first started like a lot of people were commenting i haven't ever been able to go to a bandit show because i haven't been in the right you know right town in the right yeah. time and so that's it's definitely something we're going to continue to do even when uh concerts and and crowds are are okay again because it's been mm-hmm. really fun to connect to our audience in that way like i've really really enjoyed that yeah, a friend of mine saw you guys play a few years ago and said that after the show, you guys hung out and talked to people, and yeah. so, right? Which is so awesome. And I wonder sometimes, I mean, there's there's the original, like, is it safe to play a club? And also, is it, what do you do with your fans? Do you just elbow bump them? Do you, like, keep a safe distance? Like, are you thinking about what that's going to look like? Yeah, we're very yeah. affectionate. We're, we've yeah. always been, like, very, like, you know, uh, huggy and, like, hey, and, like, just hanging out with people after after a show in, in very close ways but um yeah i don't know i don't yeah, know yeah we haven't really thought that far ahead as yeah that will look yeah. like once we come back like yeah i mean it's not a, a direct reality in front of us so i guess we'll cross that bridge when yeah. we get there i know <laughs> kisses that's what i've, I've been doing that in the <laughs> <laughs> i like the idea of like bowing to each other yeah. like yeah, yeah i like to do like doing handshakes and, like, yeah yeah, but there is there is something about, you know, shaking a hand, giving somebody a hug, that sort of tactile, right? Yeah. It's it's really kind of a nice thing. Um, but it, again, if there's no cure, that's not a very smart thing to do then, right? That's sort of just, you got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. just have to invent hugging machines. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know, where you can like give someone a remote hug and they can have the sensation of being hugged. So like a yes. robot? Yeah, it's a robot. Yeah. It's a- yeah. That's so sad. <laughs> I know it is. the The world is going to be different when we re-enter it. Yeah, yeah, for absolutely. Sure. Yeah, and we're th- we're thinking about like trying to reinvent until it feels comfortable for people to, uh, you know, to to be touching and to handshake. Like, like we're trying to figure out how can we change our show. Like, how can we really reinvent the wheel in this? And I think it's like gonna be really challenging for everybody no matter like kind of what what area of life you're in to say how can we do a similar thing but like but Mm -hmm. i don't know and try to try to create that connection uh it's a it's a it's just a big challenge you know and and i think that's like part of it not to say that this pandemic is exciting because it's not at all but it you know it does it is challenging as an artist to be like okay here's a thing that i've never had to think about before and let me really think about it let me try and like like offer up like four solutions potentially and like test right. it out and see what works you know mm-hmm. so so we're brainstorming a lot about like you know op- like the now but also like six months from now and then yeah. like 12 months from now like what can we 
try. I don't know. Yeah. Which, and those innovation, and you know, sometimes you have to innovate on your innovations, right? I mean, that yeah. you have to, we're in that place right now for all of us. Um, I want to go back a little bit. I'm very curious to know, because what I love about you guys, and it seems like you always knew um, in terms of your identities as musicians, it seemed, my guess is that you guys knew early on that you self-identified as being artists. Um, can you just talk a little bit, because a lot of times our listeners are young musicians who are um, grappling with, do I pursue a career in music? Do I go to law school? Do I make my parents happy? What do I do? Um, right. Can you talk a little bit about how young you were when you first self-identified as being an artist and that you were going to pursue this path for sure? That's a great question. Yeah. I love that. I mean, we, we came to music, all of us, in, in kind of a roundabout way. Yeah. We all yeah, started later. Yeah. We, uh, oh, we started later. We went to school for theater, all, all three of us. Mm -hmm. Two girls went to school at North Carolina School of the Arts, and I went to school in Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, we this kind of was born out of, like, a, a want to perform and also, like, using our skills as musicians. It just felt like the right way to, to get ourselves out there. But, but like, the mediums, on, yeah, I mean, like, the mediums of, of acting and music are very yeah. different um, because, especially when you go to New York as, like, a young actor, your the industries the yeah. industries are yeah. different well also the mediums because it's like you as an actor you're trying to like plug yourself into something you're trying to like find within you like what that character is and you're trying to like help be a part of someone else's vision and i think for all three of us we're, like we've all grown up with like the need to make our own thing and to write and to have our own voice heard so i feel like bandits sort of came out of a necessity mm. for like what do we want to say personally? Like if we could make any project at all yeah. and like um, say exactly what we want to say, how will we do it? And so like, that's sort of where that came from because that's something that like acting can't really give you unless you write your own piece. You know what I yeah. mean? So I think that all, it all came out of necessity for us. And then it sort of like, well, or I mean, for me, speaking only for me, and then it became like even more of a passion than the other thing. So it was kind of like, uh, uh, my dreams sort of changed as we started focusing more on music so and yeah. I think allowing that to happen was really wait would you say important. you always like identified as a creative person yes yeah I would say so mm -hmm. yeah 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 I think I'm uh I you know my personal history is like when I was a kid I was just always involved in like drama and in plays all the time and I think that my parents my parents really sort of uh instilled in me that there's like and I think it's proof with this pandemic that like nothing really is secure and so like you <laughs> yeah. know I think you just kind of have a value system of like what would I like to have more of what would I have to have less of maybe if you want more freedom you might have less money or you you know want more money you might have less like uh flexibility or or, or whatever but it's a it's a series of of uh weights that you kind of have to be like I want a little bit more of yeah. this I want a little bit less of this and um but it's always changing that calculus yeah. is always changing and yeah. I think that you can easily go down one path and find uh, that later on you're in a place to pursue a different path too. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think that the world is like, it brings you all kinds of different things throughout your creative journey. Like I I, I don't think any of us saw, first saw being in a band. Um, no. Once, no. Like eight yeah. years no. out of school. But we, but this is like the choice, this is the path that, that has brought us the most joy, I think, out of mm -hmm. every, 
every possible scenario going forward. Right. And so like we didn't go to school for music, but we went to school for something creative. But there are musicians that I know who didn't study anything creative at all who are mm -hmm. amazing and actors too. Mm -hmm. Like I have some friends who are actors who like study computer engineering and like yep. <laughs> then they ended up on Broadway. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm Best that, actors are the ones without training. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think there's any sort of clear linear path for anyone because the creative profession is not like typical. It's not usual. It's not like you start out at the bottom and then you work your way up. Like so right. many other things. It's like you could start out here and then something happens and you go here and then you go there and then you go there and then you end up here again. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's wacky. Was sure. the original plan to do stage work? Was that, was that really what you guys were, were headed? Uh, like theater <laughs> my original plan like i like i just wanted to i moved to new york with the intention of uh of acting and and i was thinking mostly stage work but i really was kind of open-ended and then it's funny that like i'd still do that a little bit but but i was but in the process of being open like bandits happened and i was like okay cool because i because i didn't have that much musical experience before the band um but then the actual again like like we're talking about we are such a live band and the performance that felt very familiar you know uh the interacting with the audience mm -hmm. and so i think mm -hmm. you know um yeah well, was, you've continued doing like yeah I mean, we've all continued yeah like, yeah, Regina yeah does yeah. uh does has taken classes at ucb and like does a, a, a little bit of improv theater stuff. yeah yeah and like yeah. uh i mean as an actor, I feel like you kind of just go wherever, whatever jobs you can find, at least when you're starting out. So like, I don't think I was ever like, oh, I'm gonna do, I'm only gonna be a theater actor. I think right, because it's kind of like, <laughs> right. and, and, I, and I found my first successes really in doing like some film and TV stuff. Mm -hmm. We've also worked on like motion capture for video games. Yeah, and, and I've uh, done a lot of musicals. And, and, and yeah, I've done a couple of off-Broadway things, yeah. but like, but this has been like the the I mean, outside of like a series regular part on a TV show, like there's not really a, a in the world of being an actor a time when you have one project that you keep that you keep working on for for a sustained amount of time, at least not in the United States mm -hmm. or or Broadway, like yeah. or like a long right. You do, uh, you, well, yeah, yeah. But most people like don't say you have like a six month for... to a year contract and then you do something else and yeah. yeah yeah so it's kind I... of that a band has given us like more consistency more stability, <laughs> yeah. And, stability yeah. and like more opportunity to grow you know it's like yeah. all of our longest running projects we've mm -hmm. ever done is, is this band yeah so and that's i mean that's what i really really wanted to do when i was in in art school um, at a conservatory I, I was looking at like these company like theater companies and being like oh that sounds great to have like a, like a group of people that you know really well and as you get artists to grow with them, grow with them and and yeah it's funny because that's exactly what this has become yes. yeah as, as a band <laughs> it's when i remember year many years ago when will and grace was ending their first run they were asking megan Mullally about it and they said what was so amazing about the show and she said what was so amazing was being able to be an actor who had a job for 10 years <laughs> it's like i you know i knew i had a job and she was like that is so rare yeah. in acting and you can still see i mean i think out of anyone she continued to work the most oh yeah right yeah. and and it's really, you can really see not that they didn't understand it but she really um articulated that perfectly where it's sort of like these jobs are not it's not typical to have a job this long in in acting um yeah. 
when you guys so so hometowns for you let's just go through where are you are you guys originally from um i'm from hickory north carolina which is where we are right now okay uh, I'm from upstate New York, uh, a tiny little town called Earlville with like one traffic light. Um, but there was an opera house, which I grew up going to do theater at. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You're from Chapel Hill. Now, is, is Earl, Earlville, is that what you said it was called? Yeah. Is that in near Voorheesville? No, I don't even. Upstate New York is, is very strange. There's a bunch it's of tiny big. little towns. Yeah. And so like outside of your maybe 25 mile radius if you, you would probably not know of, of uh, wow so past albany and then it's sort of like it's all in the weeds yeah i mean we're i i'm from like basically the same latitude as albany just further west further west got it got it so growing up did you guys feel um because i always felt this way did you feel like outsiders or did you feel and then um someone put it really beautifully that i was talking to when an outsider becomes an individual, when you feel like my outsider status is actually my trademark, it's actually, you turn it into something creative and positive instead of feeling ostracized. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel that way growing up? And can you talk a little bit about, about that experience? A hundred percent. I mean, like I, I was totally bullied and picked on in elementary school and middle school. <laughs> um, yeah. On like a group of friends, at least. I think that was my saving grace. Uh, of people that I that I loved working, I, I loved creating art and music with. So uh, we kind of became the theater nerd, um, but but it was definitely like a a thing that I identified with. Um, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean, growing up in in the South, it's like uh, I I don't know. In a small town in the South, everything's about like football and like you know that sort of thing. And for me, I wanted to just get out as soon as possible. <laughs> I mean, I had, a, I had a great childhood, but I was just like, I want to I wanna go. I want to get, I know what I want to do. So I feel like I'm wasting my time here, you know, like what that was like sort right. of my attitude. So then that's, I ended up going to North Carolina School of the Arts for my senior year of high school. Um, it's like a boarding school. There's like a high school and a um, college program. That's where I met Regina. So it was like, it was really like a, a drive of like trying to, to search for more, but it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I found some good, again, like a good group of friends, my, you know, sophomore year of high school or something that really helped me like ground myself. Cause I think you need other people. I think when you feel like an outsider, it's like you want to internalize a lot of things and be very sort of like inward focused. And like, for me, I had to have other people around me who were at least a little bit like-minded or I was like going to go insane. So right. like, there's always cool people, like even in small, you know, towns where you think there's nothing, there's always cool people mm -hmm. there. You just have to like, have, you have to Stay open yourself open. up to yeah. them. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Regina was a popular girl. No, no. I, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I feel like I, uh, yeah, I have to say I'm pretty lucky. I never really felt like an outsider. I feel like I very much like, I, I kind of took art from a young age and was like, oh yeah, this is my thing. I never really questioned it. And you know, um so yeah so that's a bad answer but, um. no, no. but, but it's very true that you that you have to find your people and when yeah. you find your people right then it's sort of like the world is not scary anymore in the ways that it i mean it still is but not in the ways that it was right so like when you found your your group of people whether it's theater or even for people who find it through sports or through whatever um 
that's those are their those are their people and that's something that you have that's the beauty i think of being young is finding those people it can be painful yeah. but right yeah absolutely and i mean it's it's very hard especially in new york to to feel like not entirely alone because new york is can be such a lonely place and i think we were really lucky that yeah. we found each other and like from that we've you know sort of grown a community around ourselves but it's like it takes that seed and it takes that vulnerability i think the like, thing that, that you're working uh, uh, against in new york is the pace it's like yeah. everybody's kind oh. of there for a reason and really working to get to where they're going and so people don't often have a lot of time to spare to like to just to, really yeah yeah and i've definitely been that new yorker i've been yeah. like i don't have time for this and like i'm, I'm not going to engage with that because you know because i i have this project that i need to get to right um but i one thing that i'm really proud of what we've done especially when we were starting out we were like actually getting people to like slow down and take a second to like engage with their surroundings mm -hmm. and i think that's how communities are built or when when you end up spending time with with a person or with a thing yeah. then you then you start a little community so and honestly that's one of the things that i am the most proud of with our band is you know when we perform we have a community of people who love to come and like we always think of it as two acts the show like act one is the actual set and act two is talking to people and connecting with them and you know um uh and i love how in that second act a lot of our fans become friends with each other like i'm super proud that mm -hmm. people like i see people hanging out and i'm like wait a second i think you yeah. i think you met at our show or they like fall in love with each other like, oh yeah it's happened before we have some so romance yeah, yeah my my best friend that. and boyfriend of like two years they met at a bandit show and it makes me so happy rivers running through comes like the next day the next and the next and the next and the next nowhere I can go no one I would know freedom was feeling you way up to the sky when I so secure crystal clear till it was gone and the sun that I soaked in just burned out
I think that you have built a community and you've also shown that the one of the great strengths of the band is the collaborative nature of what you guys do. Um, yeah. there's, there's just this natural synergy between you. Um, obviously, for your history as friends and as partners, but it, th that must be a really, because that is so foundational and so solid, it must make the creative process, you know, I don't want to say easy because I know it's hard, but easier than if that wasn't like that, you know? I mean, it's not like, right? We're, we're lucky because we, we are accountable to each other. And uh, I, would, I would say that like, uh, it's not always easy to collaborate. I mean, you have good days, you have bad days, you have uh, disagreements sometimes, you have, but like, if you find a way to listen and work through them, then you're helping yourself out in the end. Um, but, but we are definitely like, uh, I, I am not doing this just for myself. I'm doing it for, for my bandmates too. And for also for all the people that, that like to hear what we're doing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a responsibility that we have to each other because of that. And, yeah. And that definitely keeps us going forward, especially in the, these weird weeks that yeah. we've been going through. Yeah. And I mean, we've been a band for six years and we're still figuring out the best ways yeah. of talking to each other. Like our, our feelings like still get hurt in rehearsals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. still have yeah. like squabbles over, you know, no. mostly <laughs> music things. And yeah. it's like, you know, you know, it, it's always a process. It's always just like being willing to negotiate like three different very big personalities and like the, the, you know, the right way to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an ongoing process. Like there's never really going to be like a handbook. Um, One thing that's nice about three though, time. is that like, we always have uh, a tiebreaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A fourth member would really screw up that matrix. I know, right? Yeah. That's why we always have to be a trio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is this is why the Beatles had problems. Um, yeah. Exactly. One of them's got to go. One of them's got to go. Um, do you? This might be a weird question, but do you think of your personas in the band as personas? Or do you think of them as you? In other words, when you get off the stage, do you turn back into yourself? Or do you feel that, that when you're in bandits, you're playing, I don't want to say you're playing a part because that might sounds too sticky, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, is it, is it a persona that you're adopting? That's such an insightful question. And uh, I really appreciate you, you asking that, you asking it in that particular way. Um, because we're, we've, the, we've talked about this a lot. And like, even though we're actors and we, we, uh, I think all of us like the idea of taking on a character. I don't think any of us really feel like uh, the the character, like these are characters that we have to step into so much as just like heightened versions of ourselves. Yeah, they're, they're natural like, extensions of ourselves. Yeah, yeah it's almost sure. like it's almost like wearing a, a funny hat, right? <laughs> like a really big stuffed hat when we're performing. It's like we're still us but we have this extra thing that makes us a little bit more vulnerable and it makes us um, a little bit easier to talk to. You know what I mean? Like people can come up to us and be like, you know, hey Clarissa. And I'm like, hey guys, you know, but if I didn't have the hat, would people just be as, yeah. as uh, um, willing to, to say hi, even though I'm the same person underneath, you know, <laughs> like, it, like it, our, our characters, when we perform are uh, like very, uh, you know, thin through the looking glass versions of ourselves. Um, and then we'll, we, we're working on other projects where the characters are a little bit more of a different entity from ourselves. Well, but, definitely in a different um, world. In yeah. a different world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, but 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 that's a great question because I, I really do feel like every at least for me personally, I, it might the answer may be different for mm-hmm. you guys, but I feel like whenever whenever we're doing a show, I feel like Clarissa, you know, from the start of the night to the to the end of the night. Yeah. You know, and people mm-hmm. people call us by our bandit names and we'll respond, you know. Yeah. It, for me it helps like singing something that you wrote if you're like I don't know I like it's when when I started writing music like as a solo person in high school it always felt really scary to like sing for people and be like I'm Sydney and this is a song that like Sydney wrote you know what I mean but if there's some sort of mask that's not even really a mask then it's it's easier to like dip into that emotion and not be scared of it when you're sharing it with someone because it's like it feels a little bit removed which is <laughs> not a bad thing it like right. almost more truthful because you're like not as deep inside of it as you were when you were making it so mm-hmm. I don't know it's like it's a tool I think too like I as think, much as it is a performance thing it's like a helpful tool for me I, I prefer to think of uh bandits on the run as not not so much characters that we step into as but as a world that we step into mm-hmm. and then we invite other people to come into mm-hmm. with us and we have a lot of other uh bandits on there like people with bandit names like either fans or people that we like to work with that will have their That's own cool. we'll invite them on stage and they'll do a little shtick with them or we, we we encourage it to be collaborative uh rather than exclusive because we don't we don't want to be the only bandits yeah yeah <laughs> right right and there is it took me a long time to to understand that you know, like Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols was a bit. I, I didn't realize that until maybe a couple of years ago. <laughs> like, 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 oh yeah, like looking back, it's like he was doing a bit. It was a, it was a persona. He wasn't really that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Marilyn Manson and Alice Cooper, those are just bits. That, that's just theater, right? Um, yeah. But the trickier one for me was Bob Dylan, where, where Bob Dylan was doing a bit too, but he was doing it, I mean, because Bob Dylan isn't even his real name, right? It's Robert Zimmerman. But the idea that he's just a guy, and it, lo- it doesn't look like a character, but it is a character, made me think a lot about persona and how we play around with that on stage. And when Dylan in his, in his book was saying that Bob Dylan is dead, he was meaning those separate, the separate personas that he did, because now he's like a Tin Pan Alley guy. That's a whole new character. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? Well, because his stuff is so, like, mythic, you know what I mean? Starting yeah. out, it makes sense that he would have some sort of name and, like, you know, always have a different story about where he's from or whatever. Like, I think that's that's really useful as an artist to, like, just be a, another creation in and of itself. Yeah. Like, yeah. While you're making something. It can be helpful, too, for creativity, just, like, oh, yeah. you know, to be writing from a, a perspective that's outside exactly what you've lived. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can... It, it can be really easy to meet a block because you're like so undecided about who you are as a person. And like, if you can kind of like inhabit somebody else as a character, then it, it, it gives you a little bit more specificity because you can kind of like be like, this is the person that I'm, that I'm being, that I'm writing from. Right. You can make decisions about it. Yeah, it makes you think about like David Bowie, how he would just sort of shed those personas like skins each record. Yeah. You know? Love it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, so theatrical. Um, speaking of all of the the theatricality, how much? And I, I don't I don't know what percentage of it is, but how much of what you do on stage is improvisational? So if someone were to see you on a Tuesday and then see you on a Friday, what? How much of what will change happens organically on the stage? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's really funny because our songs themselves are pretty like heavily and tightly arranged. Like I feel like the songs would be pretty similar. Mm. 
but what happens in between is usually completely yeah. improvised. <laughs> improvised. Uh, not always. I, I wouldn't say it's always improvised. The patter definitely is very improvised, but often we'll figure out bits that are specific to the show. Right. Um, like we'll have like a puppet show that we do with a song or we'll have like um, like an interactive sort of light show where we'll give people lights or it's like we, we like to change it up a lot with how the audience is participating. Yeah. And I would even wager to say like our, I think we respond a lot to the energy of the audience and the room. Yeah. So I mean, while we do have tight arrangements, I think that the Sometimes the our songs, set list will change. And the yeah. songs will breathe because yeah. sometimes on some nights, one song might feel more uh, like like a ballad and other nights it might feel more like a like a jam. Like yeah. it, it, it depends on what we're getting from the audience and where we are. Yeah, and night. yeah, where we are is, is a really big factor. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we are, we very much take into account like, um, the vibe of the space, the size of the space, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, and we have so many songs. It's really kind of easy to curate a sort of mood um, yeah. uh, based on yeah. where we're playing. And also, it's we feel like it's our responsibility, you know. If we we we're asking people to come over and over again to right. see us, we want to provide a different show. So yeah. we like, you know, we, we we tend to switch it up a lot. But when it comes to the actual songs themselves, they're they're pretty arranged. But then. But then I don't know. Yeah, we've also been known to make up a song on this. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> one of the one of the great mysteries of performance, and I find this as a professor is so if I have two classes back to back that are the same class, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just say it's a, it's a composition class, and we go over an essay, and I make a joke, and it lands, and it kills. Yeah. In the next class, I go, well, I'm going to use that again, and I hit it. And it failed. <laughs> right? yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, this killed an hour ago. And it's literally like silence. And so do you find that that, that sometimes the same bits, if you, if you use them, that they actually, sometimes they land and sometimes they don't. And you really don't know if that's going to happen. So what do you do if it doesn't land? I think it depends. I mean, I think it depends a little bit on how, how you deliver it. And certainly like uh, if you're, if you're, anticipating something you might be uh you might be doing something slightly different than when it became when it was just spontaneous exactly and yeah. sometimes it can be hard to recreate something that happened uh square of the moment for that reason but also it has a lot to do with who you're talking to and the kind of the general mood of of the room like uh it's really important i think as a stage musician to be able to read a room and to be able to kind of infer from how people are reacting to you what people want to hear and what's going to go over well because every room has a different uh, personality I think yeah and it's funny it's like you know I'm sure some people think like playing you know our songs over and over again does that get boring and it's like no because truly every yeah. every set is completely different, so different. and there's yeah. you know and we're constantly gauging things uh you know who's in the room what are they responding to and like you know trying to to move it around when you are on stage and you realize that you have to pivot a little bit how do you communicate that pivot on stage while you're in the fire <laughs> right like how do you communicate with your bandmates and say like we need to sort of just shift it a little bit to the right or the left 
it's a lot of kind of like yes, like and. big eye contact <laughs> and kind of being like please read my mind because yes. it's it, you know like right. i wish i could say that we have a very sophisticated elegant method but really it's a lot of like are you feeling what yes. i'm feeling like like I think or, in those moments, the important thing is to just keep going. Like, yeah. You're like you're on like a one-way trolley car with everybody, and you can't stop <laughs> it, and you can't turn back around. So it's just like on to the next. And if something failed, and hopefully we'll forget it by yeah. the yeah. end of yeah. the next right. song because the song will be so great. Yeah. It's that. also trust. It's trusting each other. So yeah. if one of us goes in a direction that the other two weren't necessarily. Uh, totally aware of or totally clear of it's it's about getting behind that decision because we're a team and that that happens uh occasionally um and also like because there are three of us there uh we have the ability to be like okay you talk to the audience while we figure out what's yeah. going, yeah. What's going right. on oh that's interesting yeah we definitely yeah. Regina's yeah. specialty is uh is is bad jokes yeah or dad jokes yeah <laughs> She, she usually uses that to distract an audience if, if something's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a little bit of misdirection, right? Yes. Oh, that, that is definitely my specialty. I, uh, I, can, I can misdirect people for three to five minutes and then, <laughs> and then hopefully get us on track. And it's funny, it's like people always remember like, you know, if I, I, my kind of rule is like, if you start strong and you end strong and you make people feel good, then like people kind of are very forgiving, yeah. Yeah. you know, like as, yeah. as long as the beginning and the end is strong, then, you know, <laughs> then, it, then it's okay. <laughs> how, uh, how adventurous are you willing the recording process to be? Are you, is there any style you won't try? I mean, it really is really, you're open to any, anything sonically. It's funny because uh, really early on, we, we were in Union Square the three of us and there is this photographer who was like oh can i take your picture and we were like yeah we got his information he was like i'll post you so you're a band what kind of band are you and we kind of like jokingly said we were a, a death metal band and uh <laughs> I, I guess it was more of an inside joke because he like later posted the photo and was like death metal band bandits on the run <laughs> um and uh you know it was a joke but but honestly they're we, we like to try out a bunch, a lot of different stuff. And while we've never maybe made exactly a death metal track yeah. yet, uh, we I, I would not say that we try to limit ourselves to a genre. We definitely don't. Because, I mean, it's like, it's three different writers with, like, three different influences and three different, like, things that we're good at and, like, directions that we can stretch in. And so when you put all of that together, there are so many possibilities. I feel like we don't really keep what bandits is supposed to sound like in a box like if it's the three of us then it's then it's bandits, bandits like. yeah. yeah i think that's something unique about us because that you know there's certainly the argument that like a band is a brand and you're supposed to deliver a certain sort of products so that people want to listen to that kind of pro you know what i mean and we we've never really cared about that and i think that's that's kind of it's kind of the actors in us as well that love to play and yeah. love to explore and love to try try um something that we've never done before and also the three of us as people our music tastes really vary and like you know we have a, we have a lot of songs in our back pockets that are you know in different kind of opposite sides of the spectrum and yeah. uh, you know we, yeah, re we recently for a project uh had to write a pop a pop tune and it was kind of a joke like a bad um, on purpose like a sugary pop yeah. like you know like classic like two minute Katy perry song yeah. sort of thing right uh, but we found ourselves really liking the song, <laughs> the song. <laughs> um, and we were singing it for like 
a month yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, called Law for LA. That's the name of the song. It's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so catchy. Yeah, like it's a bop. Yeah, it's a bop. Yeah. Um, do you guys feel um, more at home on stage than in your normal lives? In other words, does the stage feel like you really are uh, a, a fish jumping into the water? Um, is that really the, the, your true home in this world? Hmm. I, I think, you know, I can only answer for myself, but I, I think because we're buskers, like I, I kind of, maybe we're, maybe I'm just a dramatic person, but I always feel like we're on stage a little yeah. bit. You know, Cause <laughs> we're always kind of looking for like, oh, that could be an interesting place to play. Like even the neighborhood we're staying at is a little cul-de-sac and we're like, maybe we should plan like a rooftop concert where we're like the Beatles and we're at the top of the house. And, <laughs> and then all the people in the cul-de-sac come and stay, you know, 10 feet away from each other. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, that. I think there, there isn't much distinction and maybe it's because we're a band, but also in real life, we're best friends and Cindy and Adrian are partners. Like, so there, there, there's um, the lines between creative time and not creative time, bandits yeah. time and free time, performance time and, and life feels yeah. very, very, very blurred. For example, <laughs> it was Sydney's birthday last week. Uh, and we, and we ended up like adopting these characters on the eve of her birthday. Uh, so we like wanted to make a cocktail. <laughs> Regina had this idea of making a, a cocktail uh, as as we approached midnight, and uh, <laughs> you were just like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I actually have to go." Uh, what was her name? Heather. Heather. <laughs> and my friend Heather is gonna come and uh, make a cocktail for you. And you know, it's so just funny. it's just kind it's, of it's, it's silly, pretend, right? but you it's know. like that's the root of 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 play. So it's I mean, like we yeah. we just had fun doing it, and then. Uh, Sydney's stepdad ended up uh, inventing a character the next day. And yeah, like, it's just like we're just like all, yeah. playing around. Like it's, yeah. it's just fun. It's just for fun. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, when we're when we're on stage, what's exciting about it is it's like we get to share it with people, uh -huh. and we kind of get to be like, you know, like you have permission to do it, and that feels exciting. But in terms of us walking through the world, I feel like uh, I feel like we're always kind of at home being silly, you know. And that way, I think we've really held on to a kind of um, uh, uh, like a, a, a childish, winsome quality about play. I think that's it's, mm -hmm. that is important to keep. Yeah, and I one of my favorite things about you guys is that you are transmitting such joy um, with your music, and I just I love you guys, and I just I really feel that as a listener, um, that there is just unbridled joyful um, energy coming from you, and it just it's infectious. It really is. Thank you. And that's what, that's what we want because, you know, like it's a privilege to be able to create and to have a, have a ensemble that gets you and to, and just to like, to, to sing yeah. feels good. You yeah. know what I mean? It feels like, um, it feels like, uh, expression and it feels like, uh, giving. And so, you know, I think all of us are extremely lucky and we're aware of, of uh, the cards that we got dealt. And, and every time that we play, you know, we're really trying to honor the fact that there are lots of people who can't do this. There are a lot of people who like haven't quite found their people yet, kind of saying what, what um, 
we were talking about before. And yeah, I think that's where the joy comes from. You know, not that everything is necessarily uh, easy or even particularly natural. Sometimes it's a struggle to, to put things together, mm -hmm. but like, but we're just so lucky and we, we never, we never lose sight of that. Um, and every time you perform, you never know when it's, you know, like yeah. anytime that if the, the fact that people like our stuff and that we have fans is like a miracle to me. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like sure. it's yeah. amazing. You know, that's so lucky that anyone cares. It's great. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, you know, as healthy as it feels to play and to create, imagine how unhealthy it would be for somebody who doesn't know that they're an artist or doesn't have an outlet. Um, it seems like it'd be so unhealthy not to get that energy out. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So I, you know, I, I love that you, I love what you guys do. You know, you guys would be, have you played in, in um, Berkeley or San Francisco? No. no. Well, fun fact about that is. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I yeah. was going to be in this show uh, this, uh, at Berkeley Rep that was going up this summer called um, Swept Away. I had tickets to it. I had tickets to it. Oh, yeah. You were going to be in it. It's still gonna, it's still gonna happen. Knock on all the wood that I can yeah, find. It yeah, happen. over here too. It yeah. probably will happen next, next spring or summer. Well, look, I know you guys gotta go, but it's been so much fun to just sit down and talk to you. I mean, on your comment of joy, it just, it, it brings us so much happiness to be, uh, to be interviewed by someone who obviously takes so much joy from, from asking questions and you're, your questions were so thoughtful yeah. and, and sincere. It's really just, just such a pleasure to do this interview with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, it's just been a treat. I love you guys. And I'm so happy to talk to you, all three of you. That, that was really cool. Um, and do stay in touch and best of luck and be safe. For sure. Thanks, you, too. you too. You too. All right, you guys. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> So, did you love them or what? Bandits on the Run, a uh, very sweet group of people. If the band is new to you, what a treat. You get to reverse engineer. The Criminal Record is the name of their debut album. That was out in 2017. And since then, they've put out a uh, couple of Christmas songs, a bunch of singles. There's a, a session at the power station. The point is, you're about to have a lot of fun. Go to banditsontherun.nyc and find out when they're coming to your town, uh, because they will be there. Once this end-of-the-world stuff ends, hopefully it'll be soon. Uh, go to my website, alexgreenonline.com, to find out what's going on with me. Uh, my new book is just about out, so get ready for me to be talking about it endlessly. Uh, but go to my website and find out how you can pre-order my new young adult novel, Mal Rowe and the Midnight Organ Fight. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, leave a nice comment, tell a friend. Uh, you know how this whole thing works. You can email me at editor at stereoembersmagazine.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor, or you can follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast. Let's close the show by listening to the new Bandits on the Run single in full. This is Love in the Underground. Enjoy it, and thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast, only on Bombshell Radio. We're not strangers now. I know.